Let's pray, and then we're going to get into our message. Father, thank you for uh, your word, your truth to us. And it, um, wow, it is just so real, and it is so vital, and it is really so pertinent, up to date. There's so much in here for us. We're never going to grasp it all. Um, But you do teach us things along the way. And for that, we're very grateful. So now teach us from your word, from your truth, that we might be people who um, will reflect the glory and grace of God, but also people who are transformed and walk in the power of the Spirit and led and guided by you in all things. So teach us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Jude chapter, there's only one chapter, verse 5. I almost said chapter 5. Get to Revelation, last book in the Bible, back up one here in Jude. (coughs) Short book. Uh, We've been going through this uh, a little bit slower. And again, we're not going to finish the book today, but um, my hope is to get through verse 11. We're going to take it in, in two different sections. So. Uh, the book of Jude dropped down to verse number five as we, this is uh, one of Jesus' brothers. We went over that last week if you're a little curious about uh, how that unfolds. If that is a surprise to you to hear that this is Jesus' brother, I'd encourage you to listen to last week's message. It explains briefly a little bit about our uh, will fill you in with all of the details. He's... Uh, a uh, good man on that. So, anyway, Jude, chapter 5. Now, I want to remind you, although uh, you know all these things, uh, the Lord first saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And he has kept with eternal chains and darkness for the judgment of that great day the angels who did not keep their own position but deserted their proper dwelling. In the same way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them committed sexual immorality and practiced perversions just as angels did and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Now we're going to pause there. There's a lot there. And you're just looking at it and saying, what? What? Don't worry. It gets more complicated when we get to the next section here. But anyway, uh, he, I, I like the way he starts out here. I want to remind you, uh, you know, he, he's, I'm just, and really, I, that's what I feel I do on Sunday mornings. I just, I'm reminding you. I'm reminding you of things uh, that God has said. I'm reminding you of things you've heard. I'm reminding you of what God's Word said. At least that's my goal. That's my, you know, that's part of what, what I want to happen. But it's good that, you know, and, and we need to, you know, we need to be reminded of some things. Memorial Day, this is Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day is the day in which we are reminded. We are reminded of of those who gave their lives for us in, in war. We are reminded that our freedom as a country is, is not free. Uh, you know, it, it's at the lives of our brothers and sisters and, you know, aunts and uncles and Cousins and neighbors and uh, and and all of those things. Um, we need that reminder. I live just around the corner from the uh, Vietnam Veterans uh, Memorial, and you know they got a big thing going on this weekend. They're dedicating uh, the wall. Uh, it's a I, th- I believe it's a three-quarter size uh, replica of the Vietnam Wall that is in uh, that is in. Washington D.C. Um, one of my neighbors is on there. One of my neighbors from when I was growing up, uh, and uh, I remember when Jenny and I went to uh, 
went to Washington, D.C., and, uh, you know, and I found his name there. And um, he was older than me, but his sister uh, was my age and in my, in my grade, and, and his parents, I remember his, his parents. And, uh, it was a hard thing. It's a hard thing. We need to remember. There are things we need to remember. Even those hard things. Jude tells them to remember that God saved them from Egypt. Egypt was a hard thing for them. Egypt, their life and time in Egypt would not go down as, as the highlight of what... You see, we look at it and we see it as a highlight because what are we looking at? We're looking at the end. We're looking at, at the exodus. Well, they had you know hundreds of years before that that they were in captivity there. And some generations didn't know anything but being captive. So when he says, you know, to remember this, you know, remember, you know, that, that God still saved some from Egypt. And he says, and those who did not believe were destroyed. Those who did not believe were destroyed because they rejected God. And, and you know, even after, it still boggles my mind a little bit. God delivers you from Egypt like this. With the, you know, after the, after the, the ten plagues and after all that's gone on. And he delivers you from Egypt. And then all of a sudden, you know, well, when he's talking about those who did not believe, uh, he's talking about, you know, after they led him through the Red Sea and after, and they led him to the edge of the promised land. And at their, as they're at the end, edge of the promised land and, you know, they sent spies out and ten of them came back and said, there we're going to get slaughtered and the other two said hey dude you know god's god you know remember what he did he can lead us this is it we can go we go in the strength and the power of god and we got this and they all said hey we're not going and so they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that whole generation passed away so when he's talking about there you know that those who did not believe were destroyed this is what he's talking about but what we, what I, I think we really need to grasp from here is that you know that it, it is it's good to remember where you came from. You know, for us, it is good to remember where you came from. For those of you who came from a family, you know, where God was honored and followed, remember what you were taught. Remember what you were taught. You know, and remember how your family sought God. I, I was, you know, as I talk with some of you and you talk about, you know, when going to, to church, you know, as, as a family, as a kid and stuff, you know, if, if you, if you were raised in a, in a family that followed God and was going after God, remember those things. Remember what you were taught, how you were taught. Remember how your parents, how your grandparents, you know, your great grandparents for some of you, you know, grew in grace and knowledge of God. That is such a gift that some of you have. That's those who have gone before, you don't have to learn everything yourself, you see, because they've gone before and they've shown you and they've laid these things out for you, you know, and, and that. And remember to pass on a strong, solid faith. You need to stand strong so that you can pass on a, a faith, so that you have an obvious faith, an obvious faith that will pass on. You know, that those who come after you will know, uh, you know, my dad, my mom, they followed God. You know, my grandpa, my grandma, they followed God. 
And what a difference that makes. Now, for those of us who, you know, are the first generation in your family to have a relationship with God, remember what life was like without God. Remember what that was without hope. Remember what it was like to find out God loves you. To come to that place. You know, you weren't raised with that, but, but you got to that place and you realized God loves me. Remember what it was like to realize you are forgiven. You don't have to work this off. God forgives you because of what Christ did, because Christ paid that penalty for us. And still remember to pass on a strong faith. Now, if you're going to pass on a strong faith, you need to, you need to work to strengthen that faith. You need to spend that time yourself to be strong in the faith yourself. I told you before about one of my one of my buddies growing up, you know, where there was as in a neighborhood full of kids, you know, but of course that was the baby boomer time. But uh, we had a neighborhood full of kids, and one of my one of my buddies who um, I remember when he moved in, but I don't really remember when he wasn't there. You know, he was just always there. Uh, but his dad, and I can remember his dad saying this, you know, when he was uh, when he wasn't happy with some of the things we did, um, and he, he would say. Don't do as I do, do as I say. And I realize now, oh man, you want to talk about some lousy parenting advice. Be that example. Strengthen yourself. Work to strengthen your faith so that you have a faith that is not only worth of passing on, but it's, it's worth your children and your grandchildren saying and looking and saying, I want that. I want what mom has. I want what dad has. I want what grandpa's living out before me. I want that. But he goes, he talks about, you know, the, the, where, they, where they came from and stuff. And, you know, a- ancestry and connections is really not what matters. It might get you a good seat in a restaurant or a deal on a car. But, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's really of no, it's of no eternal consequence. Uh, you know, it says here, even the angels, those who chose to reject God and follow Satan, uh, you know, they suffered the consequences of their choices. It says, you know, that they deserted. Some translations say left or abandoned. It, it, it speaks about it, the word means to leave behind. That what they had, they chose to leave that behind. It is a dangerous choice to choose to leave God behind. They made that choice, you know, to choose to leave God behind. Don't leave God out of your living. Don't leave God out of your planning. Don't leave him behind. In, in your living, in your planning, he needs to be a, a, a part and parcel of everything, of, of all of it. Angels were created to be with God. They were created to, leave, to, to live with God. Some chose to leave that behind. Some chose to, you know, to abandon it, to desert it, to leave it behind. Now, the only other choice, the only other choice then is darkness and all that is evil, all that is anti-God. I, won't, I need to I just... You, you, You need to always get this through your head. There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. God says you're for him or you're against him. You are for him or you're against him. Some say, well, I'm just coasting. You know when you're coasting, you know what's happening? You're, You're getting left behind. 
you're slowing down, you're getting left behind. When we'd go bike riding, you know, as a family years ago, or even if Jenny and I go now, um, and you get tired and you coast some, and the other person keeps pedaling, you're getting left behind. There is no middle ground. There is no, well, I'm on the fence. No, you're for him or you're, or you're against him. You know, that's, this is, that's, that's, what, that's what he tells us. That's what he teaches us in his word. And leaving God behind is a very serious mistake, uh, one with eternal consequences, if you, leave, if you leave this life in that state. He brings up the example in verse 7 of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, it says. You know, we always think of just those two cities, sometimes only one. But Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, they chose to leave God out of their living. They chose to leave God out of their planning. And some people, you know, in Sodom and Gomorrah in those cities, they chose to leave God, notice what it says, and pursue their passions, committing sexual immorality and practiced perversion. Literally, it says, they went after other flesh. They gave themselves to pursuing and practicing perversions, those things which God never intended. You know, the bent of their life, the, the phrasing says that, you know, that the bent of their life was constantly downward, constantly indulging in unnatural acts. The words imply an excessive indulgence, not just a single thing, but an excessive, repeated, habitual indulgence. One that was not, one that was, was not ever repented of, remorseful. It was just a continued way. Paul describes it this way in the first chapter of Romans. As they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshipped and served something created instead of the creator who was praised forever. Amen. This is why God delivered them over to degrading passions. For even their females exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The males in the same way also left natural relations with females and were inflamed in their lusts for one another. Males committed shameful acts with males and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty for their error. You know, today we have, we have all sorts of sexual immorality and perversions, you know, getting the, it gets the approval of society and, and if that's, you know, as if that's the standard, sadly, for too many, including for too many of God's people, the standards of society is the standard that they live by. You know, our, our society celebrates all sorts of perversions, you know, from the ever popular fornication, you know, of, uh, you know, an adultery, open marriages, same sex relationships, along with chan, chan, <laughs> transgender. You got to get those letters in the right order. Transgender, you know, are, are these non binary relationships. And there was some more of that on the news. And I got to the place I had to look up some of the terms because I'm not quite sure. I got, you know, they just, there's a plethora of them now. Um, and, uh, as people of God, you need to hear this. We have too often been condemning of those in the LGBTQ or what all the letters they put there, we've too often been condemning of those relationships and sort of ignore or minimize even, you know, fornication, adultery. Now, I'm not saying, pay attention to what I'm saying, I'm not saying we need to 
increase our condemnation of you know fornication and adultery what I, I I feel very strongly you will not criticize someone into a relationship with Christ you will not do that yeah I see some people you know and with these with well we've seen you know on the news pickets you know God hates gays and he's and I, I cringe. Uh, it's not, you know, I, I, God hates is the first part that I cringe because Scripture tells me God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Did God only love those who respond to him? That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says God loves the world. Scripture says that God wants everyone to be saved. Our hatred is not moving them any closer to Christ. We need to realize that. You're not going to condemn someone into a relationship with Christ. You know, I, I think we, we need to see you know, that we, we need to have strong standards. We need to have strong standards you know, of sexual morality as we are standing strong on God's call to love our neighbors. Jesus said, you know, he was asked, what's, what's the most important thing, Lord? What is the most important thing? And uh, the most important commandment, what is it? And, and uh, you know, what, what is that? And he said, you know, he said, this is the most important. This is the most important. Listen. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And we'd say, yeah, and that's what I'm doing. And then he says... And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command, singular, that is greater than these, plural. I found that interesting. I found that interesting that God words it that way. There is no other command, singular, greater than these, plural, to love God and to love your neighbor. Stand strong on loving God. And stand strong on loving your neighbor. Stand strong on both of these. Stand strong on loving God. Know his word and live his word. It's not just the knowing of it, it's the living of it. Know his word and live his word because of, you know, because of your love for and your commitment to God. Not to earn, you're not living his word to earn something. You're living his word because you are part of his family. Because you, when you come to, to salvation in Christ, when you come to him and, and, you know, come before him and ask for forgiveness, you enter into his family and what you're doing is you are, then you begin to live it out because of your relationship with him. You are working from that position of being loved by God, not working for love. God loves you not because of the things you do, not because of the righteous things you've done. You see, He's forgiven us because Christ went to the cross. And God loves you not be, I don't want to break your heart, not because you're worth loving. He loves you because He's God. Period. He's God. 
yeah, every once in a while, one of my grandchildren will do something that they shouldn't. And, and um, I've heard him say, maybe not these exact words, but real close, you know, oh, you know, you know, mom's going to hate me. Dad, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And we all know this. They're not thrilled with what you've done, but they still love you. To think God is going to hate you, there's that sign of an immature relationship with God. Work to strengthen that. Work to get it stronger. You know, work, work to know that, that he, he, you know, he does love you. And, and he, wants, you know, he wants you to know that he loves you. Stand strong on loving God. Know his word and live his word, but also stand strong on loving your neighbor because it's important to God. It's important to God that you love your neighbor. Not, uh, one of the things you need to realize is, you know, because there is the punishment of eternal fire for them. For them. I, I still remember, and I hope I don't ever forget, forget this. Uh, there's an interview with... Um, um, Penn Jillette, he's part of Penn and Teller. And he is a, an avowed atheist, a vocal atheist. Yeah, you can find this on YouTube, um, which is where I found it. He, he's just before the camera, and he's talking, and he said, he's um, talking about after one performance, there was a guy hanging around, kind of waiting, and, waiting until everybody else left. And after this guy left, uh, he went, you know, went over to talk with him, and this guy gave him a Bible. And he said, you know, he's been offered stuff like this before. And uh, he said, but there was just something here in talking with this guy. He said, this guy was very sincere. He said, now I don't agree with him, you know, and, and stuff. He said, but this guy was sincere in what he believed. And he wanted to take the time to come and talk to me about it. And then here's what I hope I don't ever forget. And then he said, how much, he says, if you, if you truly believe this, he said, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them? He said, if you believe, he said, if you really believe that, that, this, is, that this is true and that this is you know, what God says and that this is the way to God, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them? When we're talking about loving your neighbor, we're not saying that, you know, that you go over there and, you know, give them warm fuzzies, you know, and all. That, that's not what you're talking about. You know, get, the, get society's idea of love out of your mind. Get God's idea of love in your mind that God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his one and only son. He took action. He did something. Why? Because why will we, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why we were still being stupid, Christ died for us. Not because we deserved it, but because we needed it. When he's talking about loving your neighbor, you know, you share that reality with him, uh, you know, b- because they need it. You know, and, and you know, we, we don't always, you know, we don't always like to hear that, but our dislike doesn't make hell any less real. You know, and we need to realize that sin is real and there are real consequences, you know, for sin. Jesus paid those consequences for sin. You know, if you come to him in repentance and faith, and I don't think you can separate those two. You know, people talk about it and we like to list it differently and all that and, and, you know, theologically and everything. And and that's fine and that's good. And I I would agree with those statements, but I don't think you can. I don't think you can separate those two. If if you truly do repent, 
you know, that, that forgiveness, it leads you to faith. And if you truly have faith, the only way you can truly have faith is if you've repented for what you've done. If I truly believe that, that, you know, that God loves me and gave his son for me, it's going to change the way I live. I'm going to repent and change the way I live. Repent. You know, it's not that you sit in the corner weeping. You may do that, and that's okay. But, you know, it, what it is, the, the whole repentance, the reality of repentance is that you have changed your way of living. You have changed it from your own standards to God. You have changed, the, you know, your whole opinion of God and who he is, and now you li- are living for him. There's repentance. You know, if you've come, if you, you know, if you've come to that place of repentance and faith, uh, you know, then we receive forgiveness and we receive his righteousness. Now, if you reject him, it's clear here, if you reject him, you're saying that you'll take the consequences yourself. And if you reject him, the, the, the consequences, you know, you, the punishment you have chosen is eternal fire, not you know, that eternal separation from God. Bad choice. Pick up with me, verse 8. Verse 8. Nevertheless, these dreamers likewise defile their flesh. They reject authority and blaspheme glorious ones. Yet Michael the archangel, when he was disputing with the devil in a debate about Moses' body, did not dare to bring an abusive condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they don't understand. Uh, What they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, they destroy themselves with these things. Woe to them. You might do a good study sometime. Look at all the times that he says, woe, you know, to and about someone. Woe to them, for they have traveled in the way of Cain, have abandoned themselves for the heir of Balaam, uh, for profit, and have perished in Korah's rebellion. You know, thinking... What you have here, you know, is thinking you can set the standard for right and wrong, uh, you know, as well as for forgiveness is foolish. It's deadly. Uh, That's one thing all of these examples here have in common. They wanted to set the standard. God is God. Realize that. God is God and he is the one who sets the standards. He is the creator. He is the author of life and he is the one who sets the standards. Any other standard outside of God is faulty. And, you know, and, and it's, it's changing as soon as, you know, as soon as it gets out of fashion, as soon as people find something else they want to pursue, then it's changing, you know, and um, what's popular now isn't later. And we realize that, you know, we, we change the standard, you know, so that we can foolishly pursue our own desires and fool ourselves into feeling better about the situation. We change the standards so that we can feel better about the situation. Well, God doesn't really say that. No, God does really say that. You know, God really does talk about sin. Jesus warned us about that trap. He said, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness... How deep is that darkness? If what you believe is the standard, if you accept the world's standards and think that those are the standards and you accept that as light, he says, you're accepting darkness as your direction. There's a song, you know, that what if we've fallen into the bottom of the well thinking that we've risen to the top of the mountain? 
we go after things, you know, we go after things that aren't, first of all, aren't worth pursuing. And we're going after these things as if it's an accomplishment and draws us closer to God. And, uh, you know, and we're chasing after, we're chasing after stuff sometimes and we're putting other standards in the place of what God has given us. If the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Stand strong in God. Stand strong in God's power. Stand strong in God's ability. In verse 9, he gets into the archangel Michael, and he didn't try to, even the archangel Michael, it says he didn't try to stand on his own power. He didn't try to stand in his own position. He stood in God's power and authority. He said, the Lord rebuke you. He was standing in God. He was standing strong in God, in his power, and in his ability. The people attack what they don't understand. He gets into this in verse 10. You know, it's very common. You know, we see it when we try to express God's standards we, on pretty much anything. Try to express God's standards on marriage, on abortion, on sex education, gambling, the government's role, health education, capital punishment, the role of the church, and any of these things. You know, you try to express God's opinion, and what you will find is people attacking you. But we also do this. We also do this when we attack people with standards that are different than ours. When we choose not to love our neighbor and attack them because they're different than us, we do the exact same thing. We want others to understand us, but how much effort do you put into understanding others? Now, pay attention. Understanding does not mean you agree with them. You got that? I am not saying agree with them. What I am saying is understand them. Understanding does not mean that you agree with them. All right? Seek to understand. But while you're doing that, never abandon God. Never abandon His standards. Seek to understand them. It doesn't mean you will agree with them. Seek to understand them and you will be able to reach them better with the love of Christ. Sometimes you're loving where people don't want to be loved. Sometimes you're scratching where they don't itch. Sometimes you're... And you shouldn't be whacking. Whacking where they're already so beat and bruised and battered that they will avoid you with every breath in their body. Paul spent time observing in the city of Athens so that he could understand the beliefs of the people there. And as he, you know, then, then he started to share with them how God was the true end of their search. In Acts chapter 17... It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, you see, he wasn't, even, he wasn't even there in Athens. He didn't go to Athens for the specific purpose of sharing the gospel. He went with Athens. He was waiting there. While he was waiting there, his spirit was troubled within him when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worshiped God and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Then also, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers argued with him. Some said, what is this pseudo-intellectual trying to say? 
Others replied, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him into the Areopagus. This is where they went to to learn uh, and things and said, may we learn about this strange new teaching you're speaking of? For what you say sounds strange to us. And we want to know. Did you see that? He is talking to those who are worshiping and serving other gods. And they're saying here, and we want to know what these ideas mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time in nothing else but telling or hearing something new. Then Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For I was passing through and observing all the objects of your worship. I even found an altar which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. You see, what he did is Paul took the time to begin to understand these people. And then he was able, when he did that, then he was able to begin to talk to the people of Athens about Jesus in a way that was meeting and touching what they were looking for. He wasn't, he wasn't just, you know, he, he began to tell them about Jesus. And it says some who thought they knew better, they, they began arguing with him. You know, they thought they had a better understanding. They began arguing with him. Paul took the time then to understand their beliefs, understand the beliefs of the people he was talking to. He took the time to understand them without ever abandoning God. You don't have to agree with them. To understand doesn't mean you agree with them. He took the time to understand them without ever abandoning God. You know, and, and then he, what he did, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to be like them. You know, that wasn't, that's not the goal. He was trying to understand them so that he could tell them about Jesus and how Jesus met what they were looking for. How he met what they're looking for. Seek to understand those who argue with you, but never abandon God's standards. Never abandon God, never abandon his standards. We have examples there in verse 11, you know, people wanting to come to God in their own way. Uh, God led the people, you know, to the promised land and they rejected his offer. They rejected his leadership and wanted to return to Egypt. Egypt, the, the place of bondage that God had recently delivered them from and they wanted to return there. Oh my gosh, what are you people thinking? You know, they refused to go into the land so they wandered in the desert until that entire generation died off. And he brings up Cain. Cain substituted his own standards. He approached God on his own terms as if he could, he was the one who could set the parameters of what it meant to have a relationship with God. And that was rejected. Balaam, Balaam clearly heard God. There was no confusion for Balaam here. He very clearly heard, you know, what God said. And he went and he applied his own standards in direct opposition to what God had to say. There was no confusion for Balaam. God said, don't go. Seems pretty clear. But Balaam says, Well, you know, God, that's it. And, you know, he begins to twist and, 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 you know, and he did it. He did it while acting as if he was following God. As if he was following God. And he led other Israelites, it says, to turn from God as well. In Numbers chapter 16, it talks about Korah's rebellion. And he, he stepped up and he led 250, it says, 250 others. To oppose Moses and Aaron's uh, leadership as if God had made a mistake by choosing them. Why you, not me, he says. 
We got, we got God just as blessed as you do. And, and, and he's, uh, the particulars of the various sins here, you know, the, the particulars vary a little bit. Uh, but it's the same sin that Satan used from the very beginning. You can be as God. You know, you can be as God. You can be the master of your own life. You can do as you please. Have you ever heard? Nobody can tell me what to do. Nobody can tell me it's my body, my choice. You know, my, my you know, I can. Uh, yeah, and it, it's it, it's not, it's not just the abortion thing, but certainly that's part of it. It's the whole the whole thing of, uh, you know, I'm free. I'm I'm an American citizen. I can do what I want. You can always do what you want. You can always do what you want. You want to sin, you can sin. I don't think you want to go to hell. You know that that's sin. You know is always and here you know there's there's the the, the whole picture here. You know they're unfortunately doing you know as 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 they please. Some people believe that lie, and they choose to be their own god. This is exactly what these guys were doing. The problem is they're not God and, you know, have very limited power, very limited knowledge. And choosing to be their own God, they've chosen to reject God, the only one who could save them from their sin. And the consequence of their choice is that they've chosen eternal separation from God. Not what you want. Never abandon God in his direction, his leadership, his standard. Stand in God, stand with God, and stand for God. Pass along a strong, solid faith. Don't leave God out of your living and planning. Stand strong on loving God and loving your neighbor. Stand strong in God and his power and his ability and seek to understand but never abandon God and his standards. Stand strong in him. The Lord has brought you this far. Now, stand strong. Let's pray. Father, again, I just really need to thank you for those who have gone before me and stood strong. Those who have known you and, and, and in such a way that I could see you in them. That I could see what the love of God does to a man, to a woman, and transforms them. And they loved me. And they loved me into your kingdom. They didn't agree with everything I did, Father. But they agreed with you. May I be that person to others. To let them know that the love of God has made such a difference in my life. That I can still love them and stand strong in you. That their behavior, Father maybe something that I find abhorrent but that they might never believe that I find them abhorrent thank you for those who have loved us who do love us and help us to see you 
Thank you for those who have stood strong in you. May we be counted among those people, among those who stand strong in the reality of what it means to be yours, to stand strong in the reality of what it means to live for you in the face of opposition, in the face of a society that says, do what you please, that we might live to please you. Help that to be real in our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.